Welcome to the Predictable Designs Podcast, where it's all about creating and selling successful new electronic hardware products. Here's your host, engineer and entrepreneur, John Till. Welcome to the Predictable Designs Podcast, where we discuss all things related to developing, manufacturing, marketing, and selling successful new electronic hardware products. I'm your host, John Teal. Welcome to another episode of the Predictable Designs Podcast. This week, I have a another treat that I want to share with you. Last week, I had shared a lesson from one of the courses in the Hardware Academy. The, the course is called a Roadmap Course from Idea to Manufacturing for Your New Electronic Product. And last week I had shared one of the lessons that was uh, discussing validating your product. This week I wanted to share another one of the lessons from that course and this lesson is all about defining your product. So creating the specification for your product that you can then pass on to developers uh, to make into a, a manufacturable prototype. In addition to the podcast, I also have created a PDF document that is a product definition template that you can use for defining and specifying your own product. And this is one of the the resources I've actually created also for the Hardware Academy, but I'm going to be sharing it. uh, In this case, I'm going to share this resource uh, with you this week. To download this PDF, you can just go to predictabledesigns.com forward slash podcast. And from there, you can go to episode number 26. And then there you will see a download link for downloading the PDF um, which is a, a template for a product definition document. Be sure to download that as well. If you're on my email list, then you would have already gotten the link to this PDF when I sent out the email for this particular podcast episode. When this podcast publishes, it will be Tuesday, July 21st. So that means in only two days, assuming that you're listening to this on the day that it publishes, in only two days, I'm increasing the price of the Hardware Academy with the private consulting with me from $49 a a month, all the way up to $79 a month. If you are interested at all in joining the Academy and getting my my help with your product, as well as help from lots of other experts, then I, I highly encourage you to join before this Thursday, July 23rd, when the price is going up by 61%. If you join now, you can actually save $30 a month every single month. That's $360 a year. It's a pretty significant savings. I definitely recommend that you don't delay and you go ahead and join now so you can get the the help that you need. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the lesson that I'm going to share with you today on how to define your new hardware product. We're going to review some of the main characteristics of your product that you're going to need to define in order to be able to estimate all the different costs. And of course, to even get the product design, you have to have that defined for the developers. Now, some large design firms may have their own template that they would like you to use for sharing your product information. I'm going to be going over some of the general characteristics of a product that you'll need to specify or give some thought to and prioritize. The first one is start with describing the purpose of your product. Generally, for the product definition, I don't recommend that you go into detail about the market and how many people are going to buy your product. And that would be more for like a business plan. But for a product definition, stick to just the technical aspects and what the product is supposed to do. And of course, then the other specifications. But just don't be too verbose in this section and try to generally keep the purpose of the product simple. Usually just a paragraph or two should be sufficient for you to describe your product. Then next, we're going to break down the product into three 
parts, the, what, four if you count the packaging, but three for the product itself. We're going to be looking at, you have to specify the electronics, we'll specify you know, the software, the firmware, and mobile apps, and then we'll specify the enclosure requirements or the mechanical design requirements. For the electronics, I recommend that you start off by listing all of the various features or functions of the electronics and list them in order of priority. For instance, you would list Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, accelerometers, cellular service. You would list all those broken down. Do your best, and this is obviously more difficult if you're a non-technical founder, but do your best to keep the software and the hardware features uh, separate. For instance, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and cellular, those are the hardware features, but some of the specifics of what the data that's communicated and how that's being communicated, that would be tend to be more in the software aspect. So in general, try to differentiate between those two. It just makes it a little bit easier when you are trying to estimate your manufacturing costs because software is obviously a lot different than, than hardware. Software complexity will increase your development costs, but not typically your unit cost. Be sure to keep those separate. So just list as many of the hardware features of your product as you can. And I know this is challenging if you're non-technical, but just do the best that you can. You can use this as a reference list of different features for a product, whether you have a display or touchscreen or camera or HDMI or various sensors. This can be a good starting place for getting an idea on the various features that you may want to specify for your product. Next, you're going to want to also specify your target retail price. And the reason this should be part of your product definition is this is going to set basically your upper end on your manufacturing cost. This can be really beneficial when development is happening for the component selection and prioritizing performance specifications. For instance, if you're developing a $10 product, versus a $100 product, the components that you're going to have to be able to use in each of those products are going to be drastically different. Obviously, the $10 product, you're going to be a lot more limited in the the capabilities of the functions that you select, and you're going to have to obviously go with a much lower cost solution. That's really beneficial for the designer and who's doing the cost estimation. That's really beneficial to know that well in advance so that you can Incorporate that knowledge into the component selection. Next is the product dimensions and the weight. How small is the product and, you know, how much do you anticipate it it weighing? Now, you may not have exact specifications for the size and the weight because you don't really have the design yet to know what those are going to be. But what you can do is estimate or give a range that would be acceptable, and then also prioritize how critical is small size, for instance, or how critical is low weight. These can really add a lot of complexity to a product. Designing a product where size is super critical takes a lot more time, a lot more effort, which translates to more money to design than something where space is not a constraint. Because packing things tighter together, for instance, on the printed circuit board, that just takes more time. It's much easier to plop down different parts of the circuit with large spacing between them versus when you're packing things tight, then you have to measure everything and make sure that you're meeting the minimum spacing requirements for that printed circuit board process. It just takes a lot more time. It's really beneficial to specify upfront 
estimate the size and the weight that you would like to target, but also specify how critical small size is and lightweight is for your product. Next, you'll want to look at the operating environment. So is this going to be operated in really cold temperatures? Is it going to be operated in the the rain or high humidity environments? These are the types of things that you'll want to specify up front. Obviously, temperature you know, will be required to know because one of the key things that will determine is the battery type. For example, alkalines don't perform very well at all at cold weather. In a case like that, you'd probably want to go with some type of lithium battery. Obviously, if it's going to be in the water, then it needs to be waterproof. These are you know, important things to identify up front. If it's just going to be used in a normal indoor environment, then that lowers the specification requirements. But if it's going to be used in any type of extreme environment, then you'll definitely want to specify that. Next is how is the product going to be powered? Is it going to be battery powered? Is it going to be powered from an external DC source? Is it going to be powered from an AC outlet? And if it's battery powered, is it going to be a rechargeable battery or a disposable battery like an alkaline? You want to specify those requirements up front. That's obviously really important. The majority of products that I see, by far the most common solution is a rechargeable battery with like a micro USB plug for recharging that battery. That's probably the most common, but obviously there's a lot of issues with rechargeable lithium batteries as far as safety and certifications. Using a rechargeable battery can add a lot of complications for you. You may want to give some thought to starting off with using alkaline non-rechargeable batteries, but they have their own complications. You have to design the mechanical enclosure so the customer can access the batteries and, and change them out. That adds some other complexity. So you need to specify, and this, the power source is going to also impact certifications and what certifications you're going to need, because obviously if you're powering this from an AC outlet, then that requires different specifications than a lithium battery versus an alkaline. You want to know these, the power sources needs to be one of the main things that you specify. And then if it is battery operated, whether rechargeable or disposable, then what type of battery life are you looking for? then that will determine the size of the battery. And this obviously also plays with the size of the product and how critical that is. When looking at battery life, if the product is always on, then and it's always in a certain mode of operation, then that makes estimating the battery life a lot simpler. If anytime it's turned on, it's always draining 10 milliamps, then that becomes a really simple calculation to estimate the battery life or the battery capacity that's needed. But in more complicated products where certain features are going to be on part of the time, other features will be on at different times. It may have a wireless functionality that transmits information, say, once every five minutes or once every 10 minutes. All these things impact the battery life and make it a lot more complicated to estimate at the needed battery capacity. In these cases, what you need to do is you need to specify use cases. So instead of saying, I want my battery life to last for 20 hours, you have to say, I want it to last for 20 hours, assuming that the GPS is turned on 10% of the time, that the accelerometer is on for 20% of the time, it communicates information wirelessly through cellular, maybe once every 10 minutes or something, you need to specify the exact use cases. And you can have multiple ones. And this is going to be something that's going to be up to you to specify it and not the designer because you know how the product will be used better than the designer, or at least you should. 
Next is the processing performance requirements. If your product is going to be processing a lot of video data, for instance, and you're doing machine vision, then that requires a lot higher processing capabilities than you're transmitting temperature reading through Bluetooth low energy. You really need to specify as much as possible what type of processing requirements are required. So first of all, you'll need to specify it to a level so that you can differentiate whether you'll need a microprocessor or a microcontroller. Microprocessor has a lot faster processing capabilities. You can kind of think of it, you know, as a computer or your cell phone processor capabilities. That's going to be a lot higher than a microcontroller as far as performance. But it's also a lot, lot more complicated and a lot more expensive. So if you can get by with a microcontroller, and keep in mind there are some very powerful microcontrollers out there. But if you can get by with a microcontroller versus a microprocessor, then it will just make development and everything that much smoother. Just be sure to determine up front whether at the very least if you need a microprocessor, which has an operating system like Linux or Android or Windows versus a microcontroller, typically won't have an operating system. They can, but typically they won't have an operating system. Most of the components are embedded, like the RAM memory is embedded versus microprocessor. It's going to be external, which complicates the PCP design. So you want to specify upfront the processing requirements for your product. If your product has a display, then you're going to want to dis- specify the requirements for that display. How big of a display do you want? How many colors does it need? What's the resolution of it? Are you using it to play video or is this just plain text data? I would say there's a huge variety of different types of displays, everything from simple seven-segment LED displays that can only display alphanumeric versus full-color LCD OLED screens. There's a, a huge variety in display. You need to, first of all, find out what type of display your product needs for your requirements. And I've got a really good blog on that called Selecting the Display for Your Product that you can find on the Predictable Designs blog. And that's going to really help you fine tune what type of display that you need. But then once you've selected the display technology, then you'll also need to further specify that into the size, the resolution, the colors. And keep in mind that a display, especially a complex display, will be one of the main drivers of cost and power consumption. This is really critical to specify and to not over-design. If you're just displaying, you know, need to display some character text, then you don't need a full-color LCD screen. Just be sure you don't over-design in this case because you'll pay the price in unit cost and power consumption. If your product has wireless capabilities, then you're going to want to specify the range, the wireless range. This can be either specified as line of sight, which means there's no obstacles between the receiver and the transmitter. Just think outside, straight line distance between the two. Or you can specify more real-world conditions that you want it to operate in a house through five walls, that type of thing. You want to specify that up front. That's going to help determine the type of wireless functionality that you need. Obviously, you need to transmit miles. That's going to be a totally different solution than you need to transmit just a few feet. That needs to be known up front. And then also there are, within each type of wireless protocol, you can increase the distance or the range through different design solutions. For instance, Bluetooth low energy, typically people are just Bluetooth in general, but you think of maybe 50 to 100 feet operating range. 
But there are long range Bluetooth solutions that have a line of sight range up to a kilometers. Don't always use the operating range to select your wireless technology. And some different technologies have different range capabilities depending on the specific solution. So, and keep in mind, once again, that range is going to tie directly into battery capacity, which can tie into product size. Just if you need a higher operating range and you need a higher transmission rate, then that's going to take a lot of power, which is going to mean a bigger battery, which means a bigger product. Just keep that in mind. Also, you'll want to specify the number of discrete devices in your product. For instance, if your product has two devices, one is a transmitter device, say it sensor data, and it transmits it to another device that you have as a receiver device. Now you have two separate products. And this is in many ways like developing two separate products. Do keep this in mind. It's like, although you may sell this as one product and you think of it as one product from a development standpoint, If your product really is made up of two discrete devices, each with their own enclosure that are completely separated from each other, then that's like developing two separate products. If possible, I always recommend that you try to minimize the number of separate product devices required for your product. For instance, instead of having a receiver device, can that just instead be someone's smartphone or tablet? Then that allows you to eliminate one of the devices and essentially cut your development cost and your time to market and everything in half by getting rid of one of the devices. You'll also want to specify product appearance. You can obviously, if you have sketches or any other specifications that you want to you know, specify in regards to the appearance, that's going to be really helpful. Also, you want to prioritize the appearance. How important is the appearance for your product? That's going to just to help you estimate how the cost to develop the enclosure. If appearance is really critical, then enclosure design tends to take a long time and be expensive because there's a, so much back and forth required between you and your designer when it's qualitative things like the appearance of the product. That's difficult for the designer to necessarily judge to the same level that you do. Just keep that in mind versus Things that are more concrete, I want Bluetooth and I want it to communicate with a range of 100 meters, that's much more concrete and something that can be specified versus appearance is very qualitative and tends to add a lot of time. Just be sure that you specify upfront how critical the appearance is for your product. Then does your product have any mobile app requirements? A big percentage of the products that I see obviously have some type of wireless communication that communicate with the smartphone. What are your requirements for the app? You know, how, once again, is appearance for the app essential? Are are you really concerned about the aesthetics of the app and having lots of pretty colorful graphics and such? All that just adds a lot of time and effort to the design. You want to know that up front and be able to rank how important the appearance of your mobile app is or how complicated that you think it is. So, And then obviously you need to, with all software, you're going to need to specify as much as you can about what you want the app to do. What screens do you want it to have? What functions do you want it to have? You want to be sure that you list those out, but obviously keep that separate mobile app requirements, keep that separate from your hardware requirements or the firmware requirements. Next, we're going to look at the packaging specifications for your product. So don't forget especially if you're going to be selling this in a retail environment, that your package is, your retail package is super critical. It's 
is critical in a lot of situations, as critical as the product itself, because this is what in a retail environment is what has to convince the customer to buy your product, assuming they've not known about it ahead of time and seen your website and such. The retail package is extremely critical. You need to determine what kind of package do you want? Do you want just a clamshell or do you want like a box? And if you want a box, then you want a full color box with a plastic insert. And just keep in mind that a full color, really fancy retail box with plastic insert, they are extremely expensive and they will add a lot of cost to your product. It's generally not something I recommend that you start with is doing that type of package. There's just so much money involved in it and complexity, and you don't really know yet what characteristics of your products are going to entice customers the most. Your messaging still needs work. You don't want to nail down your final, final, final package quite yet because odds are you're going to want to change that once you get some market feedback. But you need to specify upfront what type of packaging you want because that's going to impact the cost and the, the development. It's never as complicated as developing the product itself, obviously, but don't underestimate the complexity involved in designing a fancy package. Next, I suggest that you identify similar products. I always find it really helpful when someone presents a new product to me, especially if it's not one that's immediately obvious the function. It's really helpful if you have an example or reference of a product that's similar. This can be really beneficial just to understanding the product, but also it can be helpful for shortcutting component selection, finding out a lot of times you can get a teardown on the other product, a similar competing product, find out what solutions they used, and then take that and build on that. It can be really beneficial to have reference products to look at. You also want to specify the target country where this is going to be sold. And if multiple countries, then be sure to specify that. This becomes especially critical in regards to power. Obviously, some places use 50 hertz AC power. Some places use 60 hertz, perhaps different voltages. So you need to know that up front. In most cases, you can design it so that your product will work regardless of the, it can work at both 50 or 60 hertz or the different voltage levels. But that's going to vary from country to country. You need to make sure that you specify that up front. Same is true with wireless. Different countries have different requirements on wireless and what certifications are required and what frequency bands are permitted. You want to be sure to specify that up front and based on the country. Because in some places, that's going to drive the solution that your designer ends up selecting because certain solutions just aren't viable in certain locations. And then finally, if your product, most of the products I see are are typically electronically complex and mechanically quite simple. It tends to be uh, an enclosure without any physical moving parts, except maybe, you know, a motor spinning or fan. But if your product does require any complex mechanical aspects, levers or different moving parts or it folds up or then you need to specify that up front. And that's you know most likely going to mean that you need to bring on a mechanical engineer to help with those aspects. 
That's it for today. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Predictable Designs podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then definitely check out the hardwareacademy.com where you can get support from myself and other experts to help you successfully get your product developed and on the market. We have experts in electronics design, enclosure design, prototyping, certifications, manufacturing, marketing, startups, and sales. You even get private one-on-one consulting directly with me. The Hardware Academy also includes a highly active and incredibly helpful community of other hardware entrepreneurs with a wide range of experience and skills. No longer do you have to go at it all alone. Now you have a community of experts on your team. You'll also get regular in-depth training courses, workshops, product teardowns, and resources to help you succeed with your product. Finally, you get access to my list of recommended developers, suppliers, and manufacturers. Check out the Hardware Academy today at thehardwareacademy.com.